War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401 439-6028 439-6028 Yankee Tree Service YankeeTreeService.com What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming Experts based right in Lincoln Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today 439-6028 439-6028 Whether it's tree removal stump grinding, tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at yankee tree service their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best the treatment plan for your tree and maybe it's an emergency service did something come down call them today 439-6028 439-6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com you are listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It is Tuesday. <coughs> Excuse me. It is, um, well, last night I was there. If you go to the uh, Facebook page, John DePietro Show, on this Tuesday, September 20th, I was there last night. Uh, condolences go out to the uh friends and family of late mayor susan menard still not exactly sure what happened but i was uh, covering one event and uh ended up hearing that they had the developing situation in woonsocket so still waiting for official confirmation but um just keep the family and friends in your in your thoughts and prayers and again um this all has to do with uh, still not exactly sure what might have happened, but, um, and we'll refrain from some of the details, but last night I did want to get there. It was that significant and heard exactly what happened. It's much different. I believe we have no reason to believe that there was any foul play involved. So, but still, there is a loss of life. Now, where was I prior to that? I was at the William Hall Public Library. Actually, that was my library growing up in Edgewood could uh, walk back and forth to the library. We used to play football back there. That's where I would go. Uh, Weekends, I worked on projects in there. Uh, Got my first library card there. Spent a lot of time at William Hall Library. Last night, they had a guest speaker. And what really drew the big mob, and I want to commend the Cranston police, because if they did not have a strong show of force, this thing could have gone sideways very, very early. Early on, there were people that were planning on causing problems. And when they saw the big show of support from the Cranston police, that diminished any thoughts they had that they were going to cause problems. Cranston police, I just I want to commend them. <clears throat> they took control of the situation. They sized it up. They uh, kept the, the group of, I guess, counter-protesters. You know, the ACLU even voted in. So what this was is Nicole Salas, who we've had on the program. I saw Nicole last night. She put together this forum where they had a guest speaker come in, and I did interview the guy. I, I was a little surprised. I mean, the police are there to basically, for his safety, they had um, they had some problems in Boston on Sunday outside the Boston Children's Hospital. But anyhow, he's from Canada, and... The crowd was even unaware that he was right in front and filming them and thought it was a a little bit asking for trouble. But anyhow, uh, they got together and he talks about gender, gender ideology, gender with children in the schools. And so they were going to have, you know, small gathering, which it was in the auditorium. 
and then word got out. And let's just be very clear what this was. People wanted to cancel the event. People were upset with the library holding the event. The library said there is a First Amendment right just because we disagree. As long as they follow the laws, we can't tell them they can't be here. So as much as people in the ACLU weighed in yesterday saying, no, the library made the right decision, that they absolutely have a right to be there. Folks, some people do not understand freedom of speech. There was members of the media that were saying they should cancel the event. And then they start coming off with a whatabouts. What if this were Holocaust deniers? What if, in fact, this Well, None of those things existed. It was a group of people, Women's International, I guess it's a kind of a conservative women's group, and they want to put on different forums. And one of the things has to do, you've heard some of this talk in the schools with how people identify. And children that start saying in the schools that they instead would like to identify as a boy. And so there was this big uproar last night and the counter-protesters and they should not be allowed to be here. And they they do not understand freedom of speech. They, they don't. They think freedom of speech is, they decide what speech uh, that people get to listen to, what speech they get to talk. Now, I, I noticed someone on Twitter saying, Oh, there was, you know, they got to have the event. There was no disruption, no disruption. There was an angry mob outside. The, I believe it also uh, certainly impacted, it impacted turnout for the people that maybe wanted to go and hear about gender in the schools. And so, you know, this business that somehow that it didn't impact, it absolutely impacted the event. Uh, They wanted the event canceled they were an angry mob out in front trying to intimidate anyone from going. That, that's not a matter of, hey, you know, they're just, there was nothing wrong. It didn't, it didn't upset their, their event in, in any way. Um, where did I um, saw where someone was trying to say, oh, you know, it didn't, it didn't impact things. They were just having people, this whole business, what if it was Holocaust, and well, it wasn't Holocaust deniers. What if someone was, you know, having a meeting? Who's censoring? Here's uh, York's producer. The meeting wasn't disrupted. Content of the meeting was concerning to most people, so people responded. The meeting wasn't disrupted. Who's censoring? Well, when you have an angry mob out in front and trying to intimidate anyone that's going, and uh, so much that they need a huge police presence, to keep the event going, how is that not censoring? That that absolutely is censoring. You know, this group that was out front and they turned it into like a transgender pep rally and trans kids and, you know, this is rotten, these people, and this is, you know, the library should be a safe space and now the library is not a safe space. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, the reaction. But if they had ignored this event, This speaker would have come in from Canada. He would have spoken to maybe, maybe 20 to 25 people, max, right around there. And that would have been the end of it. We we do allow that. They weren't violent. There wasn't any type of talk of of committing any violence. They were having a discussion with parents on gender ideology and what's going on in the schools. And and I, I agree that we get into dangerous territory here, folks, when this whole business, gender reassignment, and the amount of children that are doing gender reassignment. You know, I was interviewing some people that were there last night, the counter-protesters, and they claim that they know of children that went through gender reassignment. They know some of the parents that have. It's just, you know, life can be complicated enough. To say that a 13-year-old girl she's decided she really wants to be a boy. That is, you are altering their bodies, altering their bodies. And the same thing, by the way, with a boy, where you are completely altering their bodies. So the question is, should a 13, 14 year old, should they be allowed, you know, is that really the purpose of what they wanna go through to do the gender reassignment for what comes down to is children that could be going through some awkward teen years, who many would argue, you know, their life hasn't really even started. You know, how many people 
when they are 14 years old really have a sense of what they want to do with their life, what the world is all about, uh, what's realistic, what's not realistic. I mean, that. I, I think these are, these are very serious choices. By the way, with very serious consequences. When they perform the surgery on a young female and start transforming her into that of a male, this isn't something that, you know, it's not like they dye their hair and then a week later say, you know, on second thought, I don't like... You know, maybe I won't have orange hair or I won't have pink hair or whatever. This is, it's very dramatic surgery. And conversely, the same thing with boys. When they, you know, go in and, and perform these biological altering surgeries on children, it's, um, this is not something that went on years ago. And it's far more prevalent. And then you just wonder, they're in for a huge disappointment if they decide a few years later you know, maybe it was just a phase, and maybe I do want to be a boy, or I do want to be a girl. Um, and, and listen, there's going to be, there always have been, there's always going to be young people that are maybe even confused for different reasons about their gender, about their preference is more like it. You know, um, they're, the, the girls that are sexually abused as children tend to feel more comfortable in the company of girls. It doesn't mean that they're naturally attracted that way. They may get older and maybe try to deal with some of it, try to contain it, put it in the past a little bit, um, and then you know go on to live a very productive life. But you, you can't, there's a big difference of someone's going through a tough time what, for whatever reason, and then they go into the whole gender reassignment. And, and you know, there are some young people that, that do experiment. They, they experiment with boys. Let's say they're a boy and they experiment with girls and, and both. But to, and maybe they find that they are experimenting. Maybe it's a boy that realizes he is more attracted and wants to be in a same-sex relationship or the same thing for a girl. So there's just, it doesn't happen to everyone, but there's definitely some element of it. And then they, they, you know, recognize that and then they decide what's the best thing for them. But when they start getting into gender reassignment and surgeries are being performed on children. So the crowd that came out last night, all this talk about hate talk and they shouldn't even be here and the library shouldn't be hosting them. That's what they were saying. And I was asking some of the people that were there, so are you saying the event should be canceled? And they'd say, no, 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 I'm not saying the event should be canceled. But ultimately they were saying that they think the event should be canceled. They didn't want to come right out and say that. But that is basically what they thought and felt that they thought the event should be canceled. So also, I interviewed Ashley Kalis yesterday. Um, I'm going to play some of that audio. She is the Republican candidate for governor. She, um, you know, now it's the focus on the two of them. She is a much different candidate than Governor McKee with much, you know, very different beliefs. So I think it's helpful and in... Um, and it's an important element for, for citizens, for voters, to, to be able to get a sense of the different styles. You know, Governor McKee wants to give these huge raises to members of his cabinet, 43%. And then also in the news, how about the fact that Newport is getting ready in case some illegals uh, ship to Newport instead of Martha's Vineyard. All right, that and a lot more. It's John DePietro right here on The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 folks you are listening 
to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining you right now is one of my siblings. She's an independent columnist, opinion maker. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, I'd like to just start off. I love uh, the Drudge Report headline, the the last big funeral, funeral of the century. Um, anyone that wondering just the impact that the queen had, I, I think the numbers that watched it, 4 billion worldwide here in the United States, all, uh, all stations carried it. Yeah. Uh, 10 days of mourning and, and really just um, really like a once in a lifetime uh, type of situation to witness her funeral. Absolutely. You know, just, just really an unrivaled um, uh, thing to see, first of all, um, and her passing into history, John. And, and yet it just struck me, and I was glued to it, you know, just the, the pageantry and the right down to the second, you know, perfect uh, execution of this. By I, I think the British are unrivaled in that. Um, and they just, I think it goes to their core and, and the unparalleled not just the respect for the monarchy and and that's reflected in the degree to um that just the level of just detail jd of every inch of the a day and it was it was an entire day and then right to the committal ceremony but to see all world leaders and when else would you see, for instance, the president of the United States, I think he was in like the 15th row. So, you know, like it's not like Biden, J.D., it's not like a, any kind of a thing you can even parallel. Um, it, it just one note, if I made that I found just so um, it, it was like the sense of the sweep of history. It was almost chilling when they got to the committal ceremony at St. George's Chapel in Windsor, which, as we know, is a thousand year old massive, massive, like it was like a fortress. And when they lowered the casket into the Royal vault, you know, and you have Mm. that solitary bagpiper, solitary bagpiper in that. And and it was total silence. And he just comes up with that. It's really, John, that's like an ancient um, ceremony that they would do. It just, it was chilling really. And it was just a, you know, really that kind of a day, um, I think it's wonderful and important for the world to, to, we live at a time when people are just so consumed with only the present and present day, you know, mores and practices and, you know, but we're connected to the past. And I think it's so, it was just so important in the way they conducted all of it. Um, And to see like this massive gathering of the world leaders, as you, as you would just never possibly see again and for anyone. Um, and, and let's face it, they've certainly, the Royals have had, you know, their share of some of the modern day drama between sure. Prince Andrew and then obviously the whole business with Harry and Meghan Markle. So in that case, I, I think in that regard, it was an opportunity to demonstrate, you know, the royalty and, and literally the queen in her being, you know, her final the, as they say, the yeah. ultimate funeral. Um, in, in some ways, it was it was just so dignified, just so so dignified. And you know, JD, it, it's kind of striking when you looked at now he is King Charles, and yeah. you know, there's a remarkable thing. And I want to draw from this, the extraordinary series, The Crown, where they yes. whether he ever actually said this, but they say that he, as a younger person. Um, and, and really, in some ways, st- is a little bit struggled with his relationship with his mother, who always was really the queen since he was three or four years old. Yeah. Um, and that's another factor. And I think there's a scene he's expressing this to Camilla, where he, who we met very young, and obviously they ended up meant to be, um, and where he says, you know, it, it's it's so hard because um, I you know, this, they tell me my whole life is shaped around me becoming, I'm heir to the throne, but I, it's like, she has to die before I can fulfill my role in life. Mm. You know, you think who else would have that, you know, really um, just a kind of a tormented personal, really dynamic, really. And, and I always thought that was, well, the series is brilliant. I always thought that was like a brilliant uh, moment that they, 
you know, manage that kind of a thing. And then, you, you know, you think about him and, and he is now over 70, um, but he is on the throne. Um, and as you say, I think also the emphasis now immediately is on William and Kate. Um, That's right. Uh, who may now go by Catherine, because I noted mm. that the king, they've referenced her a few times that way, um, which might seem correct at her, now at her elevated level, and the children. <laughs> so, right. You know. Not down a very close to the home, and uh, certainly not uh, royal, but it is uh, one of those things that Governor Baker, and I'm talking about regular service resumes in the orange of the green line, that historic shutdown. You know, it, it did take a lot. For I would say Governor Baker, that's being a leader and recognizing what needed to be done, uh, really taking the extraordinary uh, lengths in order yeah. to do that. But that is one of those things that has just plagued his his time in office. You know, it, it really has. And the MBTA, J.D., of, I think of all the things he has prided himself on being, you know, he can execute and he's like a manager political figure you know to his credit he's really that way and you know the failings of the t really have dogged him and i do think in his now kind of twilight months um he is very laser focused that especially and they had very specific you know problems uh with that orange line which you know doesn't mean that much to a lot of people but like really a series of things um and by the way they they were then kind of federally cited for it um because it was a you know really like almost like they were failing basic transportation um safety standards so i think it's dogged him they did reopen the orange line just within a day or two. And now they will do work on these other lines. And to be fair to them, one thing they pointed out, they, they say to have a full shutdown, though, within one month, what it enables them, if you think about railroad tracks and how that works, they were able to lay down a thousand new railroad ties, they call mm. them. Now that you cannot do in like hampered, you know, oh, they're working overnight for nine hours. They can't do it that way. You know, it, it, John, they said that takes years if you're on a schedule where you only stop for weekend nights or something like that. So it, the full shutdown seems to be it was workable. They got all kinds of buses going and they, you know, they appear to have done it. And we hope that um, because I do we hope it goes forward the right way for just for riders and for the public. But also, I do think it's been like a personal mission of him to, like, get this right as his time's winding down. And it may it may even alter how they handle this type of stuff in, in the future. Yes. I mean, it is better to just buckle down, do a complete shutdown, set up buses. It is an inconvenience. Tell the public. But then, as you said, just literally unprecedented level of work that could done be done. I, I think that actually makes more sense the public could almost tolerate that more than if it's this constant piecemeal one constant yeah. problems and two piecemeal of how they're trying to repair the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And JD, it might extend to highway work. I mean yes. when you think about Rhode Island, like if it oh, takes God. you know four years to relay parts of whether it's yeah. 95, 195, 295 I don't know. I think the public would go along with, uh, but you know, you have to have efficient management. Right. If you said we're rerouting for three months fully, you know, so, so hopefully, um, and as the winter months are ahead, they, they've done it the right way. They're going to do another line. I think that way. Um, but that's it. Like if you're trying to get people a bit out of their cars in mass transit, you've got to give them good, reliable mass transit. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. 
Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with independent columnist, it's opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. DJ, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. Boy, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, you know, uh, both he and the governor of Texas, they get tired of all these uh, migrants, illegals. Uh, it's it's really remarkable. You had the vice president on doing that interview and meet the press saying the border is secure. The border is certainly not secure. But they decided, you know, let's let some of these northern states that run as sanctuary right. cities, let them get a taste of what it's like. It, I, I just don't think they could have scripted it, it better as Martha's Vineyard basically came to a halt because 43 people arrived. When you see some of the numbers in some of these towns, San Antonio and just some of the border towns, both you know Texas, Arizona, Florida, it, it literally is thousands a day that are just driving there and they have to put up with it. So what did you think of twofold? Number one, I, it, it, it put him on the map. He just had a record-breaking fundraising yep. quarter. Uh, but number two, what did you think of the DeSantis whatever people want to call it, ploy, tactic, uh, decision to really demonstrate firsthand to people of what it's like. Well, I, I think, as you say, he, he really put it, took his finger and poked it right in the eye yeah. uh, at the northern states. And I think he is, they, they can, you know, this is all political now. So they can launch, you know, some criminal probe. Oh, you know, that wasn't planned. It wasn't uh, laid out. They were misled. John, look, they, they're coming over the border illegally. And I yeah. think the fact that the hypocrisy and then, by the way, the hysteria reaction and the coverage in Massachusetts, which I will say, you know, the Boston media, they just go with whatever it seems like what the Democratic playbook is. That's probably not a headline um, to observe. But just this hysteria reaction um, and, and by the way, they were saying things, well, as you say, the Southern governors are like, oh yeah, well, welcome to our world. They're saying, yeah. we don't have the resources. We don't have the housing. Well, like either does, by the way, McAllen, Texas, El Paso, yeah. those are not affluent places. And no. El Paso is overrun. They're sleeping in tents on their yard, you know, front lawn and stuff. So I think the fact that he did it. It was strategic. That is a wealthy enclave, as we all know. And, you know, you have these like preppy people on their way to dinner in Edgartown, you know, coming down. Let me look at the book. I mean, John, it's just ridiculous. And and by the way, this whole idea that then within 24 hours, Baker says, oh, well, uh, we'll we're going to put them over to the military base in Cape Cod and uses the National Guard. Which, you know, when the southern states use a lot of law enforcement, people think, oh, that's so kind of, why do you have to use law enforcement? Right, heavy-handed. Heavy-handed. And he used, like, tons of National Guard for 50 individuals. <laughs> um, and there's images of them, John, you know, in fact, I think it's in Boston.com where, you know, you see uh, a couple of the migrants. Well, he's sitting kind of in a dreamy look on the side of the lovely ferry ride from Vineyard Haven to right. Cape Cod. Well, they hardly looked put in danger. Yeah. They hardly looked deprived or, or afraid. So, you know, I some mean, you of think this... of it, what a beautiful place to be given a free jet ride to on a September Friday, you know, right? Thursday, Friday afternoon. I can't think of much worse places than to be spending your time than being on the vineyard which something tells me you will see more of you know i think the word gets through uh, they you know in their channels and probably say hey wait a minute maybe we should make our way you know yeah. to that area and and there's another point of it though the northern states i think desantis's point uh i don't there's not a criminal thing here i mean, I mean what about the fact that look the White House, when they were, when it was clearly turning into a refugee camp of yeah. tens of thousands, Biden's team, and they never got good, accurate coverage, was flying them in like 2 a.m. flights. This is back when there was Jen Psaki at yep. the podium. Never gave full disclosure. No. They said they were like flying them to White Plains, New York, that That's Wisconsin. Right. So look, the thing is a mess. They're flying, that people just... And the Biden administration, when you have this ridiculous vice president saying the border is secure, um, which is 
no one, no one can make that claim. Um, and I might note, I think the New York Times is out with this headline saying two million arrests at the border. Two million wow. it is the most ever. So that's not a secure border. It's chaos. You know, and I think DeSantis's point is, hey, listen, why should the southern states, just because of geography, everyone has to share in this. If this is Biden's policy. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So but the, the reaction in Massachusetts was just over the top. And all um, the hemming and whoring. Hip- I think it's one of those things. If you polled it, most people actually thought it was a good idea. They were kind of laughing along with it. Let them get a taste of it. Yeah. The, um, and, and I like, you know, some of the comments. Why is 43 people in the vineyard a crisis, but it's not a crisis at the border when they're dealing with a much more of that? Like Donna 30 Perry, buses a day. They said yeah. that they're at least bussing them everywhere. What do you think, though, of the move of, I mean, as obviously President Trump continues to struggle and have problems, you, you, you can't not see that DeSantis you know, he knew there'd be blowback. I think it's one of those things they felt that even though there'd be blowback, it was kind of worth it. But how do you view him of that? That was a very, I thought, very shrewd, calculated move. And the fact that people seem to be, you know, that that people understood. They may not understand some of the times the difference between their governor and another governor. But whether it was Governor Abbott, uh, I'm sending them on buses to the home of the vice president or... DeSantis flying them to the vineyard. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was one of those moves that it just broke through. And and most people, you know, maybe they they thought that publicly you're supposed to say you're against it, but I think most people thought it was a very shrewd move. Yeah, absolutely. And I, as you say, Jay, I, JD, I think it, this could be a foreshadow that he is going to be uh, a formidable candidate, yep. and that he has a team that they really know how to take these hot button issues yep. not, and, and communicate and project to the public. And I will say about him, I've said this before, um, you know, sorry with Trump, but like the thing is Trump often to me squandered moments um, at the microphone because yes. he does ramble on. He's really not, he's not the great coherent communicator that I think he thinks he is. And DeSantis, boy, he just pounded right at the center of the issue. He's very, very sharp, uh, and he's going to be calculating. And, you know, J.D., like with immigration and these other issues, too, like he's made a point. He's going to be pro-parent. He's going to be, you know, he's obviously pro-business for Florida. He's pro-police, and he's he's going to be pro, like, control at the border. And I think, like, you, you know, the public wants to be on those issues, and you need real good strategic uh, way to get those issues out there. And as you say, like, otherwise immigration just, it seems like a muddled mess. I don't think yes. a lot of people disagree with that. Right. Um, but you don't get, um, you know, that that really get to the bottom of, of what is really happening. And I will say the great hypocrisy of the mainstream media. I mean, for how many months, only the conservative media or Fox News, they've got these uh, terrific correspondents, they're right at the border. They're showing you, J.D., we know, people have drowned in the Rio yeah. Grande. They've had children's bodies. CNN, New York Times, they all look the other way for months and months. Um, and so now this happens. And, gee, you know, see how he knew he put this at the top of the agenda. Um, and I'm not saying and he I don't think that they didn't have a right to do that because there is no policy. They're exactly. Just, they're flying and yes. busing people willy nilly everywhere. Yep. So but it was, um, it was yeah. amazing how, you know, the decision by the Florida governor really sent the administration into a, into a tizzy. Folks, we're speaking with Donna Perry. DJ, what do you think of now? Granted, it's it's a little, you know, it's obviously a political stunt. But what about the idea of that the governor of California, Governor Newsom, is challenging DeSantis uh, to a political debate? This part of this. You know, many times uh, the art of debate, what can be learned from debate, uh, letting people see the difference on a stage, this business that it's always reserved either, you know, for the candidates within their own party or for major office. Right. There's part of me, you know, in the Wall Street Journal wrote a piece saying, let it happen. Let people fully hear the, the governing of California and why it's failing. And 
decisions made in Florida and why it's thriving. Right. And, and, you know, I think what's going on politically, if you're, if you're Newsom, I think this is sending out several uh, curious messages. First of all, like I think to the credit of DeSantis, they're putting their bullseye on who they think, John, yes. is going to be the 2024 Republican. Yeah. Um, so that that is more evidence that his star is rising as Trump, you know, is is fading. So I think that and I also think, like you say, um, the idea that which I also think that that would is curious, though. How does the Biden team look at that? I mean, yes. Newsom clearly is. I think what he's trying to do is almost telegraph his own party and the yep. DNC and saying, if this guy uh, is the Republican, that's not going to cut it with Biden trying to do it with this guy. So and I think that's like a whole separate political dynamic that's emerging. But to your point. I think we've reached a point um, when you look at communications and everything is instant and fast and, you know, a little more uh, personable. People are used to that because of social media. I don't know that the old stodgy commission on presidential debates. Right. I don't know, J.D. Like, has their time passed? It it, it might be as you're observing, you know. Well, and and before we take a break, there's part of this that I like because – in in some ways, you know, the Republican Party has become it's almost like your hatred for the for the for the other side is so deep that you wouldn't even step on a stage with them where right. there is an element uh, and people would be shocked. But there it would be, you know, the governor of California, the governor of Florida sharing a stage. I think they floated out maybe be on CNN. I, I think it would actually be positive to get back to people. That politics, you know, enough with all the right. foolishness and where's Hunter and all this other nonsense. Get back to <laughs> let people learn what is the difference in governing between these two large, you know, very popular states. And I think it would be eye opening. I think it'd be good for the process. It's become, you know, there's another thing you and I were t- going to talk about, but this whole business of Republican candidates no longer debating. I, I don't know, we, you know, how that began, but I, I admit, yeah, yeah, this really showcases that DeSantis could kind of have more of the attitude of, you know, we can disagree, but at the end of the day, we're both American leaders, we're both on the same stage. Enough of this attitude of like you don't even fake news and you don't even acknowledge someone that's in the other party. I agree. Now, I would yeah. say because DeSantis is up for his own reelection yes. uh, in November. I think the play would be, I get through my reelection and I'm going right. to take you up on it. And I, yeah. I absolutely think that, uh, and Newsom has kind of a non-happen, non-event sort of reelection, if I'm correct on that. But, yes. but you're right. Like the, John, like the Republicans, if you're not in the arena, like you're, right. you're not really happening. No. Um, you're just not. And, and if anything, we live, as we say, and, you know, a day and age when people expect to see exchanges and information all day long. Never mind, like, oh, you go through the whole campaign season, you don't debate. Um, and and why not? If you can't make the case and you can't take it to them, then I don't know how in this, um, you know, we have a very <laughs> tough climate, but I don't know how you're going to govern and how right. you're going to, you know, say that, oh, you you could twist arms and get a state legislature to do what you want, which is, by the way, what a governor has to do. And, and you know, you've made this point. I mean, I think um, a guy like Jeff Deal, you can't just hide. You can't just no. have in Massachusetts, you can't just have the Republican vote. No. Or that The math doesn't work out right no. away. No, you got to be out there. And yeah. Again, folks, uh, quick, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro show. The next time you have an emergency, Head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine. Diagnostic treatment service, AtMed urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical orthopedic and trauma 
work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. And DJ, uh, Biden, President Biden was on 60 Minutes on <laughs> yes, Sunday was. night. And uh, boy, that was that was quite an interview. But a couple things, uh, some of his remarks, what do you make of, and I want to get your thoughts on, on just him, several things, but saying he hasn't decided on 2024 and also that the pandemic is over. Right. And, you know, John, I will say his his kind of multiple these like off the cuff quick answers is it's almost like it proves why that the team does not like him to do these, you know, unscripted one on ones. I mean, I think the fact that um, he said that right off the cuff um, uh, to me, I don't think that's a big debate. I think most people say, yeah, it is over. But let's be honest. I mean, to casually blurt that out, this is the biggest story of the past two years. I mean, where yeah. is the White House should be making an official statement like that? Right. Um, and then, you know, he, of course, he's maybe feels more free because Fauci is going out the door like or so at Christmas time, you know, who was always the counterpoint. Um, But I do think that something like that, that he just blurts it out that way, um, which, again, then the White House should be coming back with saying the pandemic itself is over is what I think he meant is COVID still around. But what they classified the pandemic is, of course, over. Um, So, you know, there's that odd thing. And then J.D., like he just he plays these games. um, on inflation and the numbers and the the question about running uh, i want to say like i i think the fact that um from a lot of political point of views if you're even leaving the door open to me that there's a lot of conversations behind the scenes that he won't and i think that a lot the wife might have a very big hand in that uh first lady jill biden but um the fact that he just, you know, leaves that door open um, is is very curious. And, and obviously they they don't want him to blatantly say yes or no in an interview with 60 Minutes. But um, but just a lot of the way he responds, it's just odd. Like when they said, well, well um, you know, Scott Pelley said about like would Russia resort to the nuclear weapons and what do you think about that? And he just has this like, don't, don't. And that silent sort of voice. Unreal. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it just, I'm sorry. It's, it's like odd. It it's, is odd. And it almost, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but it, it almost seems like sometimes when a person is struggling with their thoughts as an older person, JD, that he's like blurting out what he's practiced and the, if he'll lose the moment, you know what I mean? Like he yes. needs to get the word out. Right. It just all comes across so odd. Um, yeah. He also, um, I mean, th- just the whole business of, and I couldn't believe Pelly, like, how do you keep up the schedule? And, and oh, I know. Like, just right. watch me go. I mean, every time you watch him, the president is having trouble. Does he leave the stage left? Does he leave the stage right? It it shows you, to me, the difficulties, Donna Perry, that the staff has to manage every last detail to the point of, he he literally can't follow the direction of which le- stage left or stage right that he's supposed to walk off. Right, it is, it right. didn't happen once. It's virtually like every single speech. <laughs> so I, the element of him running, I, I just, I mean, I'm looking for the people that actually think that that would be a good idea. Because even as as we've talked about, even the own party, they recognize that it's, and and I think you're right that it could be, behind the scenes the family is saying you know what this one term was enough let's not let's not push our it's, luck and try to yeah. go for the second term right and and jd like i i think that that the left right leaving a room thing happened um just in the um you know they were signing when they were over in london for the queen and they he was in like that you know signing the a guest book um it, there's just something about the 
the face of Jill Biden. And, you know, she looks always very, and, and the voice, his voice, where do I go, stayed on the microphone. Mm. Um, and you could see that the aide was trying to indicate, and then Jill Biden kind of, the way she hovers, um, I think, you know, let's be honest, she knows more than we do that like, yes. this is a struggle for this man to be carrying out the job at this level. Um, mm. And so, you know, I do think some of their calculation, I'll just finish up on this, though, I think. So I think there was always this sort of calculation if, you know, if Trump is the 2024 and Biden likes to get out there and say, I'm the one who could defeat Trump. And I think as Trump's star and fades and the legal troubles mount, you know, there may, I mean, come on, let's face it. Like, I think there's a growing sense it's not going to work out for Trump to be the nominee or at least, um, and I think then there's a sense of, these other Dems, like we say, Gavin Newsom, John, they're not going to all sit on the sidelines no, um, and no. go for eight more years. I don't see it. Yeah. Um, so not when they see such a weakness. And let's also just end on um, with President Trump. I mean, I, I'd like to find, you know, kind of silver lining of the good news with with all these allegations. The lawsuits start piling up that rally Saturday night. I mean, I it was kind of flipping back and forth. Yeah, I wasn't watching in. it, but just to. And you, you see it. Now, granted, they were up against an Ohio State game, but that's also part of poor planning um, with the staff. I, I just I, I don't know. He's always going to have the mainstay, the, the base. But I, I, I don't know about you. I am starting to hear from Trump supporters that, listen, he's taken on a lot of water. It may be better. Someone like a DeSantis yep. just doesn't have that. Um, the the month of August rolling into September have not been good months for the president. A lot of his, you know, nominees or the people that he's supporting, I should say, the endorsements are not. They're having a tough time trying to get over the finish line. This yeah. has not been, a, 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 you know, it's been kind of a cruel August September for the former president, to put it mildly. Yeah, I mean, JD, like, and like we say with what we saw over the past week or so with DeSantis, I just think there it's getting into very clear contrast yeah. that Trump's star is fading it but really just in fairness to him they, he's just drowning in all this legal trouble yeah. and DeSantis is rising um I just think there's no question and I know people who feel very very devoted you have to realize that the Republican Party cannot just allow another four to eight years. JD, the, the, the country, you know, you won't recognize it. So, I mean, you have to be, and we're at 2022. And the other thing that the last thing on this is it's not four years away. And by most presidential campaigns, you and I know watching all this for years, they get started like this winter. Oh, absolutely. You know, next, you got to get out there. And the next dome. August is the Iowa straw poll. They're going to be on debate stages coming up. I would think yep. March, April, someone will launch the first one. And the donors are now already and they are signaling the money's going to DeSantis. Yeah. Uh, as you, you it would seem that way. Yeah. One other thing, Donna Perry, before I let you go, that I just want to point out this notion. Um, and I, all the respect to the former president, who obviously I voted for twice and admire, but this notion that the people in the country wouldn't allow it and there'd be some kind of an uprising. I'm saying right now that would not happen. It's false. January 6th, yeah. the reason was it was a huge mob. It was all together. It was an all-day thing. People got caught up in it. There were people that then hide in mobs. But the idea yes. that somehow, you know, let's just look at Rhode Island and Mass, that crowd, they don't riot. I I, I remember no. during the course of the pandemic, there were groups that, if they were going to do like a Trump support rally at the Rhode Island State House, if they caught wind that Black Lives Matter was going to be there, they'd cancel the rally. They wouldn't go. Right. They're afraid of their own shadow. I think it's <laughs> this business of, you know, well, there's a lot of chatter online. Yeah, but what, what kind of chatter I online? I mean, I don't I don't take that as a viewable that when you that's to me also where you see the two parties. When the other side says, hey, something happened and they're going to riot in downtown pick a place, Philadelphia or Brooklyn or or Newark or wherever, that's, as we saw, that's a real threat. And right. that can happen. But the idea that 
you know, Trump supporters and we're Coventry are going to go to the town well, square and start <laughs> throwing rocks. It's not <laughs> John, happening. a lot. Let's say a lot of these are warriors online. I mean, yes, they are. That's they are. where they, they're the online warriors. They're not going to go out and uh, we're not like, you know, a million people in the streets. John, we're Ooh. not Hong Kong. When, we're not. Americans. We're not Iran, you know, where no. they can get two million people because they're literally life, death, desperation that these are not the lives of people. So, no. you know, I think it, it he's a little bit getting to kind of desperate, grabbing at straws. And, and to that, say that, that is just ludicrous. Is, it's yeah, just, it's ludicrous. It's and it's and just even when we've seen that know, Patriot Front, there doesn't seem to be. Part of the requirement of joining Patriot Front seems to be you have to weigh under 130 pounds. I mean, they're all these skinny white guys. <laughs> right. I was around some Cranston police last night. I want to see one of them throw a punch at some <laughs> of the. It's just it's not right. happening. It's foolish. And maybe there is someone in the basement. And uh, I, this whole myth of, you know, where uh, chatters at an all time high. The I, I just I don't believe them. It's no. not happening here. It's not happening. Now. That was a and one not... time it thing. It was. It was. And there's a lot of different elements to it. Folks, again, she is independent columnist, opinion maker at Stana Perry. DJ, great job as always. And we'll talk to you again. You bet. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 401- 305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care, it's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie. 401-305-3585. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, depietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, topetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at topetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, topetro.com. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.